Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Dear Jack, it really is tough to put into words just how much your mom and I love you. I'll never forget that first day when we found out that we were pregnant with you. One of the very first things we did was we prayed and we asked God for His protection over you and we dedicated this gift that He had given into our lives to His purposes. Fast Fast forward to the day you were born. It was the strangest feeling to instantly and irrevocably feel such a strong love towards another human being. Something just clicked deep down and both of us knew we would do anything to protect you, that we wanted only the best things for you in life. It's with that want and wish in our minds that we continue to pray over you. I pray over you just about every night when we're putting you to sleep, that God would protect you, that God would watch over you as you continue to grow, that you might continue to grow into a young man of God. My hope, prayer, advice, and encouragement to you is this. Each one of us stumbles, each one of us falls short. Each one of us has a season where we feel distant from God. Despite this, He invites us back again and again into His presence. Pursue Him with all your heart and don't hesitate to return to Him when you make mistakes. Like we read in 1 Timothy, As for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. You are such an incredibly precious treasure that we have. And when we consider that God was willing to lay down his own son, for you, for me, for our family, for the rest of humanity, we're in awe of what that would take. We love you with a broken, sinful, selfish human love, but it's still so strong that we can't imagine what it would take to give you up. How much more so did God perfectly love His own Son and yet was willing to send Him to the cross to reconcile us to Him? Therefore, forgive your imperfect parents when we mess up and put your faith instead on the perfect Father you have in heaven who loves you completely and perfectly. We love you so, so much and are here for you always. Love, Mom and Dad. starting a new teaching series today called Letters to My Children. And I wonder what it would be like for you. We're going to see some videos like this throughout the series, but I wonder what it would be like for you to receive a letter from your parents. Uh, Some of you would be really excited to have that. Some of you lost your parents a long time ago and you'd just be like, man, if I could have one more thing that my parents said to me and writing, I would love to have that. Uh, Some of you, if you received a letter from your parents today, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to open this or not. (laughs) You might like stick it in a drawer somewhere and go, eh, we'll save that for a later time. Uh, So we never know what that's going to look like when we hear from our parents. But if you are a parent or an aunt or an uncle, or if you are someone who uh, supports a compassionate child somewhere in the world, I would encourage you as we go through this series to take some time to write a letter 
and to send it out to somebody and say, here's what I'm praying for you. Here's what I hope for you to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to be changed by Jesus, and to have a relationship with him. Uh, so as we start out in this, I want you to know at the very beginning, this is not a parenting series. This is a child series, and we're the kids. Uh, God has written a letter to us. And what we're going to be looking at as we go through this series is what it looks like to receive a letter from our Heavenly Father, and then what are we going to do with the things that God instructs us to do? Uh, you may be very much like me and have gone through a stage in your life. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there that there's a good possibility that all of us did this. Around the time you were 16, that you decided that your parents didn't know nothing about nothing, right? Like you were just like, my parents are idiots. Uh, they don't have a clue about anything that's going on in life, and I am not going to listen. Why should I listen to them? <laughs> they don't have a clue. And then somewhere around the age of about 23 or 24 or 25, something clicked in your head, and you went, you know, my parents may not be quite as dumb as I thought they were. There's a chance they knew some things, and I should probably have listened. Uh, and so there's that period of time that comes into our life where we decide, you know what, I probably should have listened to the things that I was told by my parents. So if we're going to take this approach that God is our Father and that he's written a letter to us and that he wants us to hear from him, the simple reality is, is that a lot of us treat God like we did when we were 16 to our parents. And we go, God, I know you've got some things you want to say to me, but the reality is I don't want to listen to you. God, the reality is I'm going to make my own path, choose my own course, and I'm going to go my own way, and I don't really care what you have to say because I don't think you know best. I think I know best. So I'm going to leave your word alone, and I'm just going to go my way, and I'm going to do my thing. So if that's been you, I want you to know as we jump into this series that the first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs that we're going to be looking at in this series begin like a letter that's being written to a child. In fact, that's what Solomon's doing. Solomon says multiple times at the beginning of chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, he writes, my son, and then he gives him some instruction. My son, do this. My son, pursue this. My son, avoid this. And it's all a letter that Solomon has written to his son. So the approach that we're going to be taking with this is not that Solomon has written to us, although Solomon is the author of this, that all scripture is breathed by God and is useful for encouraging, correcting, rebuking, and teaching us the ways of God. So this letter, these, these first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs, when Solomon writes and says, my son, this could just as easily, and in fact it is, something that God is saying to you, my child, my son, my daughter, I want you to hear from your father, and I want to tell you some things. The question that we have to wrestle with is, what are we going to do with what we hear God say to us? So if you're taking notes this morning, you might just want to write this down. The, the major question facing you in this book is, will I listen to the voice of wisdom or will I pursue a life of foolishness, of folly? Because that's what's being held up in the book of Proverbs. So here's the thing that I want us to understand as we read this letter. There's something here for all of us. Brian and Jeannie just read the first seven verses to us a few minutes ago. And in those seven verses, here's what we find. There's something for every person in the room that's going to be written in the book of Proverbs. This book helps us gain wisdom and understanding. Some of the mysteries in life come into clearer focus as we read the word of God and apply the word of God to our lives. For the wisdom... In this book, it can change 
our behavior. It says that we learn to do what's just and right and fair. So if we'll grow from the wisdom that's here and we'll take it into our lives, it can change us. Then he says, hey, if you're a simple person, a simple-minded person, you can gain prudence. That's the ability to live with caution and not be taken advantage of. For the young in the room, if you're young and you're going, man, I don't know about this whole Bible thing and this Jesus thing, whatever is there. For the young, you can gain knowledge and discretion. Solomon writes and says, there is something here for you who are young. And then for the wise, you can still add to your learning. You never come to a place in life where you go, well, I've got it all figured out. I don't need to learn anymore. I certainly don't need to study God's word anymore. You never come to a place. And the more wise you get, the more wisdom you achieve and attain, the more you start to realize I need continual knowledge and education and wisdom to be poured into my life. So he says, there is something here for all of us. And then Solomon tells us one last primary thing about this. And in verse seven, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So he says, here's the crux of it all. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Christian faith, you know and understand that the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Now that doesn't mean that we stand in being afraid of God, that we're not coming to him and being like, uh, you know, kind of cowering before him. Uh, although he is holy and he is righteous. And if you're a non-believer, then you have a reason to be afraid of God in that sense that he can, uh, can punish you, can uh, condemn you for eternity and separate you from him. But as believers in Jesus, when we come into his presence, this is a, a way of saying that we hold God in reverence, in awe, that we have a respect for him, that we admire him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So there's something for all of us in this book. In fact, I'm going to assign some homework to us, uh, especially if you're somebody who is in one of our life groups that focuses in on sermon-based uh, material for our life group. Here's what I want you to do, but this is for everybody. Read Proverbs chapter 1 every day this week. And next week, we're going to read Proverbs chapter 2 every day. And here's the homework assignment. As you read it, each day, write down one thing that you pull away from this. What's one observation you make? What's one thing that the Spirit of God points out to you? And as you jump into Proverbs chapter 1 this week, you're going to walk away with seven different things that God wants to teach you in this. You're going to be amazed as you write down every day what's one observation, one thing that you're pulling away, how much God has to instruct you and teach you. All right? So, as we jump into this, here's where I want us to start. Verses eight and nine. Proverbs chapter one, verse eight and nine says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. God has something that he wants to say to us. And as Solomon writes this to his son, again, this could just as easily be said, my child, my son, my daughter, I want to share something with you. God is writing to us in his word and he's giving us some things that he wants us to hear. He has something that he wants to say. The question is, are we listening? Do we sit with God's word on a consistent basis and listen to what he has to say? Do we spend time in prayer and meditation on the scripture and let the Holy Spirit speak into our lives? Are we listening? Or are we saying to God, I know you've got some things you want to say, but I'm not really all that interested in hearing what you have to say. We're living in an information age, right? Like every one of us right now has so much information at our fingertips. The internet is a wonderful thing. The internet is a terrible thing. 
but you have all kinds of information. However, with all the information that's available to us in the information age, we're certainly not living in an age of wisdom where people know how to apply information in a wise way, in a biblical manner, and put it into practice in a way that's going to revolutionize our lives and bring ourselves under the authority of God. God wants his children to have a full life guarded and guided by wisdom that's timeless. And so he's going to speak some things to us. And I want us to jump in to verses 10 through 19 and see what he has to say. He's going to tell, Solomon's going to tell his son, hey, take these things in, listen to your father's teachings, listen to your mother's instructions, wear them like a crown on your head, wear them like a garland of gold around your neck. But here's what I want you to see. And Solomon writes this, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us and we'll all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They're swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Now, I can only hope, as we think about this, that none of you got a phone call this Friday night and being like, hey man, you want to go hang out in the streets and ambush some people and kill some people when they come by and take all their stuff? Like, would that be a cool Friday night for you? Like, I'm really hopeful that nobody got that invitation. I'm going to assume you don't have friends like this. However, all of us have to ask the question about the kind of people that we let into our lives. All of us have to be concerned about the kinds of friends that we have in our lives. And so here's the next thing that I want you to see. You need to be careful about who you let into your inner circle. You need to be careful about who has voice in your life. You need to know the kinds of people that you're letting in to the middle of your life and speaking into your life. Because Solomon's warning his son, God's warning us, hey, don't go with people who are going to be leading others astray, who are going to try to take stuff from other people, who are going to want to destroy other people's lives. You pursue the things of God. In the New Testament, we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And a lot of times when people take that verse, they apply it to marriage. And they'll go, hey, don't be unequally yoked in the sense of if you're a guy and you're going to marry a girl and you're a Christian guy, certainly don't marry an unchristian girl, non-Christian girl, non-believer, right? Like be yoked equally in your faith. But it doesn't just apply to marriage. When 2 Corinthians 6 talks about that, it's not just talking about marriage. It's talking about all of our relationships. Be careful about who you connect yourself with. Be careful about the friends that you let into your life. Do they believe like you? Do they have the same passions for God that you have? Do they have the same desires and ambitions and pursuits that you have? Or will they seek to pull you away from God? Be careful about your business partnerships that you make. Are the people that you're connecting to in business going to have the same desires that you have? Or are they going to be the kind of people who are going to go, hey, you know what? I don't care if we cheat on our taxes. In fact, the more money we can get and the more we can uh, give it to the IRS, the better for us. And you're going, wait a minute. I don't think that that's how we're supposed to do things. As a believer in Christ, that's not my ambition. Be careful about who you yoke yourself with, who you connect yourself to. My kids, I tell them all the time, and I've been saying this to them for years, your friends 
will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Your friends, teenagers, listen to this. Again, for those of you who are young, you've gained discretion. Your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. You want to pursue God? You better get some godly friends around you. And so then the question comes up and we go, well, then are we just supposed to avoid non-believers? Like, do we just distance ourselves altogether and just form our little Christian clubs over here and just have our little safe spaces for us as Christians to operate and we'll just avoid non-believers? No, not at all. In fact, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he prayed for his disciples. We call it the high priestly prayer in scripture. And as Jesus prayed for his disciples, he prayed, God, I'm not asking you to take my, my followers out of the world. I'm asking you to protect them from the evil that's in the world. They're going to be living in the world. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to send you into the world. So you go and you be as wise as wolves and as Uh, as calm as doves. He's going to go, I'm going to send you out, but I want you to find peace with people, but I want you to know how to discern when you're around the wolves. And so Jesus gives us this calling to go be light in the world, go shine his light into the world. To do that, we have to be around people who don't believe in Jesus. But it doesn't mean God's, Jesus's prayer says, I want you to protect them. He wants us to have discernment about how we're going to live in those relationships so that our non-Christian friends don't entice us away from Jesus. So he says, you stay in these close, connected friendships with believers. And then when you're in relationship with non-believers, you're trying to influence them toward Christ and not fall toward their influence away from Christ. So we have to be wise in how we do that. Interestingly enough, when we see the story of Solomon and his family, and I read this this week, I found this was really interesting. Solomon, as you know, made a lot of mistakes in his life, right? When none of us are going to pretend like Solomon had it all together. He's known as the wisest man who ever lived. When given a choice for something, God comes to Solomon as a young man when he's beginning to be king and says, hey, anything you want, ask for it, it's yours. I'm going to do this as a favor to David. And instead of asking for riches and wealth and the destruction of his enemies, Solomon asks for what? Wisdom, right? He says, God, if you'll give me wisdom. So God goes, I'm going to bless you with wisdom. And because you asked for that, I'm also going to give you great wealth. I'm going to give you peace with your enemies. There's going to be no uh, war that's going to take place during this season. So Solomon is known as the wisest man who ever lived. But along the way, Solomon made some really foolish decisions. One was that he married about a thousand people. (laughs) And that's a problem, right? And you would assume in the middle of all of those relationships that Solomon has lots and lots of kids. But did you know in scripture that only one of them is named and talked about? It's his son. His name's Rehoboam. And after Solomon's death, Rehoboam becomes king of Israel. And Rehoboam's challenged at the beginning of his kingship, hey, if you will start your reign and bring peace to the kingdom and lighten the load of the people. Solomon had built the kingdom of Israel. He had used laborers from Israel to build his palaces and and all of the lands and all of these things were going on, but the people were exhausted under the leadership of Solomon. And so Rehoboam's challenged, hey, if you'll lighten the load of the people, they'll love you and serve you forever. So Rehoboam takes that challenge and he goes to the elders, those who served as counselors under Solomon. He says, hey, what should I do about this? And they go, hey, listen, they're right. If you'll do this, the people will love you. They'll follow you. They'll serve you forever. And then he goes, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. Who's he go to? He goes to his buddies. 
He goes to these young men that he's made counselors in his kingdom, and he goes, what do you guys think? I have some yes men over here that'll tell me what I want to hear and whisper things into my ear, and they go, hey, you know what? That's crazy advice. Here's what you need to do. You need to bring the pain. (laughs) And if your dad was whipping people with whips to get them to work, you tell them you'll whip them with scorpions. And you tell them if your dad was a little finger, you're going to be a waste. Right? Like, I'm going to bring my power and my influence, and I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to bring hardship into Israel. Well, guess what happens? Who does he listen to? The elders or his buddies? He listens to his buddies. And he starts this whole campaign where he basically enslaves the people that he's supposed to be leading. And they rebel against him. And Rehoboam spends his life running from people. He loses the kingdom. It's split in two. There's the northern, southern, uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And so Rehoboam loses it all. The son of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, doesn't heed his father's advice, and he lives as a fool. And so we see all of this unfold, and it takes us back to the things that we talked about in our last series when we were talking about worldview. Whose voice are you listening to? Who has a voice in your life? Who are you listening to? And what are you going to do when people offer you ungodly advice? There's a lot of voices telling you how to live, how to think. When we hold up those voices to God's word, are they speaking truth? Like, are you willing to listen to the voices of people around you, but then take it back to God's word and seek truth? I love what Paul wrote in the New Testament about a group of people called the Bereans. We don't know a lot about them, but here's what Paul said. Hey, man, you guys, I love the Bereans because when they listen to us speak, they don't just take our word for what we say. They go back to scripture and they search intently to find out if what we're saying is true. That's how our lives should be. Don't just believe something because I say it. I have a microphone and lights pointed at me. Are you supposed to trust me? I hope not. I mean, I love you, but I hope you don't always just trust everything I say. Go back and find out for yourself if what I'm saying is true. Like, you should always do that with God's word. Who are the voices that you're listening to? What are they telling you? And is it in line with God's truth? That's your objective, is to go back and find that out. So as we get into the last part of Proverbs, there's this transition that takes place And as Solomon's writing in the end of uh, Proverbs chapter 1, he starts to talk about wisdom. And he says, wisdom is going to speak to us. Wisdom has something to say. And he personifies wisdom as a woman. right? So he gives wisdom a voice. In other words, he takes it and he makes characteristics of wisdom that we can understand in in daily life. right? Like Jesus did this. Jesus talked about being the bread of life. Jesus did not think he was a loaf of bread, right? Like Jesus talks about being the door. He didn't think he was walking around with a handle on his side going, if you turn this, I'll open up. Like Jesus did not think those things, but he personified himself in ways that we could understand what he's trying to communicate about life in his kingdom. Solomon does that with wisdom. So here's what wisdom says. Verse 20, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I'll make known to you my teachings. Right, and so I want us to notice a huge difference 
between the things that were being communicated to us at the beginning of this chapter and the end of this chapter. In the beginning of the chapter, the friends that call out for Solomon's son say, hey, let's go hide and wait and let's ambush people. Let's find a dark corner. Let's get in a place where nobody will see us. And then when the moment's right, let's strike and let's take them down. And wisdom calls out from public spaces. Wisdom calls out aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. These places were important at this point in time. We go, man, in the the city square, there's wisdom calling out. This is where everybody does business. They go here to to exchange goods. They go to buy food. They go to, to do all of their things in the public square. In the city gate, was where business was accomplished, where there was judgment that took place. If you had a a grievance against someone, you brought it to the elders at the city gate and they brought judgments about things. He goes, wisdom is calling out in these open places. Listen to my voice. I've got something to say. It's trying to bring us out into the light. And so here's what I would challenge us with and think about this, that we need to know and understand. Evil and wickedness want us to stay in the dark and entice people away from full life. But wisdom calls us into the light to repent of our wrongdoing. The last verse said, repent at my rebuke, then I'll pour out my thoughts to you. I'll make known to you my teachings. So here's the last thing that I want us to see or the next thing that I want us to see. Repentance to wisdom's rebuke opens the door to receive wisdom's instructions. If we'll repent... When wisdom rebukes us, it opens the door for us to receive instruction from God. Because this is important. That wisdom is going to rebuke us sometimes because we're going to mess up. When we think about our lives as Christians, we need to know and understand that we're not perfect. There are things that God calls us to repent for in our life. And if you have things that you feel like you have to hide in the dark if you have things that you would be ashamed or embarrassed for your wife or your husband or your kids to find out about, if you have things at work that you're going, if my boss knew I was doing this, it would be bad for me. If you're living in the shadows and you're trying to hide things from from the people who love you, who are around you, God's telling us today, hey, there's a place that wisdom is calling us to repent, to bring things out into the light. And it's in repentance that wisdom will instruct us, that God will instruct us how to take next steps to purity and wholeness and godliness. So we need to be willing to listen to that voice because there's consequences to rejecting wisdom. Proverbs 1, 24 through 31, the last part of this passage says this, but since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice, do not accept my rebuke, I uh, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. It's interesting how he talks about fruit in that. I was thinking this week about the difference between the fruit of our schemes and the things that God wants to birth in us. The New Testament calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He goes, man, these things are the fruit that we really want in our life. 
But if you're living without wisdom, if you're living in the darkness, you're trying to develop the fruit of your schemes. You're trying to develop the fruit that's going to give you power over other people. And it's going to keep you in the dark, separated from God. And so wisdom says, listen to my rebuke and repent. I'm going to call you in to another way of life. If you want to know what that looks like, I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. We're not going to take the time to do that this morning, but there is a passage in the New Testament that just shows what happens when we don't listen to God, when we decide, hey, I know better. God is not going to force you to follow him, but there are consequences to choosing against him. And so here's the last thing that I want us to see this morning as we close up. Proverbs 1, 32 and 33 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. There's a lot of people in our world who get angry because they believe that a good God would never send people to hell. And the reality is, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to reject God and take the path that leads to hell. God is calling us to come to him. He even says to us, the waywardness of the simple kills them, the complacency of fools destroy them, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease. God wants to put his protective covering over you. He wants to cover you in his grace. He wants to invite you into his kingdom. The question is, will you accept him? Will you listen to the voice of wisdom and choose his ways? Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.